Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Good evening and welcome, friends and neighbors, to the Gift of Glory podcast. So excited to have you along with us uh, tonight. I uh, want to remind you as we uh, head into the final week, can you believe it, the final week of October and on into November, uh, we are getting ready for a couple of very exciting shows uh, for Wellverse Comedy, which is our improv ministry as part of Gifts of Glory. So I want to show you this flyer as we're getting ready for our big show on November 6th, uh, November, November 6th at the Roxy in Lockport. Uh, RFK Comedy Night, Thanks for Giving. Uh, it's improv comedy, clean, family-friendly for all ages. Uh, tickets are 20 bucks for adults, $10 for kids who are 10 and up. Uh, under 10, uh, free of charge to come in with a paying adult. Uh, this is for the whole family. We want you to come out, laugh with us, have a good time with us, and also raise money for Royal Family Kids Camp, uh, which is a, a camp for some amazing kids uh, who are in the foster care system. Uh, we spend an entire week just treating them treating them like absolute royalty. So I hope that uh, you'll visit us at rfkcomedynight.eventbrite.com. All proceeds go to uh, benefit uh, the Royal Family Kids Camp uh, 2022 camp. Uh, so I hope that uh, you'll be able to join us. If you're not able to join us, uh, you can pay it forward. You can buy a ticket, and uh, we can gift that uh, to somebody that maybe can't afford a night out for their whole family. Uh, so we'd love to be able to gift those tickets away as well. And if you yourself are somebody that does uh, like, you know what, Dave, my family could really use a night out and laugh and just get away from the burdens of the world, but we don't have the means. Perfectly okay. Reach out to us here at Gifts of Glory, and we will make sure that you're able to go to the show uh, and get your family that break, that that respite from the uh, the battles of the world. So I do hope uh, you'll uh, reach out to us and let us know one way or the other if you can come. Uh, find us on Facebook and share the event and get the word out. Uh, November 6th, it's a Saturday night. Great time for the whole family. Uh, great date night. Uh, so uh, come on out to the Roxy on November 6th, uh, benefiting Royal Family Kids Camp. Now let's move on to our Devotions with Dave segment. Our Devotions with Dave segment is coming from John 1.1 and also verse 14. Uh, John 1 1 says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So that verse for me, uh, in that passage, those two verses there, uh, as I read out of the NLT, um, is really important because so often uh, we don't respect the Bible, and we also don't respect the name of Jesus. And what's important is, is we realize that that Jesus was the Word, and He was God, and He was there from the beginning. So when we handle the Word, when we handle the name of Jesus Christ, we really have to be careful and be reverent of what that means, what the Word means, and what the name Jesus Christ means. It's a it's a name above all names. It was the the name that that is given so that we can be saved, that we can be rectify or reconciled with God. Uh, very often I see, especially on Facebook and social media, uh, these posts that just completely are irreverent of the name of Jesus. And they're also irreverent of the power and the meaning of the word of God. So just remember what John 1 tells us that 
in the beginning, the word already existed. So the word was set, was there. Uh, the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became human, uh, Jesus. So when we we're speaking of Jesus, when we're speaking of the word, when we're handling the word, the sword of truth, we have to be very careful with it and respect the power that it has and uh, respect the meaning, respect the value and respect what God went through to make sure that he could preserve it for us. So always handle the word with care, handle the name of Jesus with care. And uh, um, and I just think it's incredibly important, something that we sometimes forget. Uh, so that was John 1.1, and that was our Devotions with Dave segment. Uh, so uh, thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, we're going to start uh, tonight's show uh, with a trailer. Uh, but uh, the trailer is uh, from... Uh, Honest to God, it's the latest project from uh, Robert Alanese. Uh, he's an award-winning, award-winning filmmaker, and he's also an Elvis Presley record and memorabilia expert. Uh, you may have uh, seen his films uh, Heavens of Betsy uh, from 2017, Heavens of Betsy 2 in 2019, uh, also Mind Over Mindy back in 2016. Uh, so uh, he, uh, they're releasing uh, Honest to God this year in 2021. They've already had a, uh, uh, a premiere on October 13th. The next one is coming up on November the 11th. Uh, you get more details at their website. But uh, without further ado, let me uh, play the trailer so you can get a, a taste of uh, what Honest to God is going to be bringing us uh, when we go out to see it in Highland Park on November the 11th. Daniel Adams. Sorry. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. There's a good chance you have a terminal illness that could result in death in a short period of time. This is kind of like the day before a colonoscopy. You're going to die? Except this time, we won't be waking up afterwards to see if they found something. I think it's important that you tell Rebecca as soon as possible, while she still has a few good years left in her. Huh? Mormons! How cool! I'm Elder Jones. I'm Elder Wallace. And you guys look so young. How cute! Chloe, they're people, not puppies. I don't want to die. I'm only in my 50s, for God's sake. For, for your sake. I, I promise you, I, I will change. Good morning, my love. Good to see you eating at the table, son. <laughs> my treat today. Why? Well, it's been a while since I've treated, so, you know. Whoa, you've never treated. I don't know. He's been acting strange ever since he went to see that Dr. Haja. It is. It is. Am I losing my mind? Or did I just see you hand a baggie of dog poop to Miss Tucker? Dr. Hajan has been under investigation since the closing of his place of practice in Los Angeles last month for allegedly posing as a doctor, seeing patients, diagnosing them with terminal cancer, and then charging them for tests that were never performed. Yes!
Okay, now that I'm unmuted, uh, <laughs> uh, the beauty of live broadcasting. Um, so uh, to my, uh, uh, I guess my left, uh, okay, this was horrible. This is a horrible introduction. I'm sorry, Robert. <laughs> uh, but uh, Robert uh, Alanese, welcome to Gifts of Glory. Um, I am sorry that the uh, introduction started so badly, but let's get to the interview. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We're uh, we're glad to have you, and I'm so glad that you reached out. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you've seen our previous interview with uh, Mimi Sagadin, who's a phenomenal actress. Yes. And uh, um, so uh, you wanted to come on, and, and I was excited to, to get the message because I've seen Heavens to Betsy 1 and 2 on, uh, on Pure Flix, and I think it's uh, been on other streaming services from time to time uh, over the last few years. And I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing all of uh, Honest to God. So uh, I guess the first question is, um, how did you get into filmmaking and uh, what uh, is kind of your inspiration for doing uh, filmmaking? Well, uh, it's a long story, and much longer than uh, we have time for me to tell. So I'll give you the abbreviated <laughs> version. I, I, I fell in love with movies when I was 15. Um, I, I worked as an usher in a movie theater. Uh, I was too young to actually have a job, but I was thrilled that they hired me. And I was so happy to clean up the bathrooms and clean up after the movie uh, people, the popcorn on the floor and everything. But I fell in love with movies then. And I got involved with theater in uh, high school. And uh, I started off as an actor and uh, I did a lot of acting. I even did Shakespeare, Hmm. um, a lot of Neil Simon, a lot of comedies. And um, and then that evolved into going to college. And in college, I I, uh, I I I really got interested in filmmaking once I found out uh, in some ways it was easier to do than a play. Um, I had written several plays when I was very young, and mm-hmm. I even had a little theater theater that was built in my garage uh, where we did local plays or plays for the local people, uh, neighborhood people. And they called us the Cayman Park Neighborhood Players. And we were in the newspaper and we were all thrilled and everything. Yeah. Um, but when I got into college, I, 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 I took a film course, uh, kind of fell in love with film and uh, decided to make a movie. So I actually made uh, about eight films uh, starting about 1972 uh, all the way through to about 1981. Mm-hmm. And um, they were hard to do because they were super eight films. They were, uh, uh, there. you know, you had to film something, then take it to the drugstore, and then they had to develop it and come back. And then you, you have to look at it, and you have to hope that what you shot w- worked and everything. So it was, it was quite a process. I, and, and during that time, um, I, I lost a, a, a lot of, um, a lot of time, a lot of friends, a lot of girlfriends, a lot of jobs, because I was focusing on filmmaking. I had this uncontrollable passion to do this and i never really understood what where the passion came from and why i had it but it was so deep inside me i had to keep going Mm -hmm. so i got married to my my wife carol and uh and and uh i i think for about 20 years i i started a regular business that's how i got into elvis as a matter of fact Mm -hmm. i became uh an elvis presley memorabilia dealer uh, I co-authored several books. There's a price guide uh, for Elvis Presley memorabilia called Presley Anna uh, that I co-authored with Jerry Osborne. 
And I still do it to this day, believe it or not. I still mm-hmm. deal Elvis Presley stuff. And uh, and uh, I guess I'm an expert at it. They, at least they tell me I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in that 20 years when I was doing all that, uh, that passion was still in there. And I, I just had to do something. So my wife said, uh, well, why don't you buy a, a screenwriting program and write a script, you know, to satisfy some of that desire. So I did. And I wrote a, a, a movie called or a script called Time Server, which mm-hmm. was a, uh, of course, first script I write has to be a time travel script, you know, <laughs> no money, no budget, nothing. And here I'm going to write a time travel movie. But I did. And uh, believe it or not, I got some local people in Frankfurt, uh, politicians and political people with some some pull and uh, ended up uh, shooting the movie. It took about a year to do. Mm. And we ended up uh, premiering it at the Rialto Theater in Joliet to wow. over 1000 people opening night. Uh, I can't begin to tell you how blown away I was when that happened. I, you know, it, and, and that kind of signaled to me that, Hey, I gotta, I gotta try this again. So I wrote another mm-hmm. movie and another, and I kind of kept going. Um, but I, I, you know, I just developed this passion, like I said, and I never really knew exactly where it was coming from. Now I know where it's coming from. Uh, I, I made time server was, was a science fiction film. Uh, Barry Moore's dream was a uh, Hitchcock kind of psycho type movie. I did a movie called Bitter Blue, which is now available on Amazon Prime as Angels in Our Midst. Okay. Okay. At the time I wrote that, okay, I didn't realize I had written a faith-based movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the term faith-based really didn't start uh, until after 2000, I think, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might have been around, but not as common, uh, common knowledge as it is now. Okay, but I wrote it. I wrote a story about a boy who has a guardian angel for for a friend. And this guardian angel is uh, always talking to him and everything. But he's the only one who can see the angel. And so all his friends and everybody make fun of him. They think he's mentally ill. And uh, and the story kind of goes on. I don't want to ruin it. But if anybody wants to watch it, it's on Amazon Prime called Angels in Our Midst. It was picked up by Bridgestone Multimedia Group, uh, uh, which I had mentioned to you before, yeah. who um, will be taking care of the uh, distributing the new film. And um, I went back to, I don't know why, but after that film, I went back into another kind of horror type film. But it was kind of like a comedy horror film. Mm-hmm. And it did terrible. Uh, nobody liked it. Uh, you know, it was it was a bomb. I liked it. <laughs> but you know that's the problem with a lot of filmmakers nowadays they make movies because they like it not realizing that hey somebody else has to like it if you're going to have any success or whatever right and um so after that someone said well why don't you write a comedy and i said okay uh let me think about it and i, I was a big fan of albert brooks i still am i like mm-hmm. lost in america and uh defending your life and uh some of his uh really funny movies I also a big fan of uh, Neil Simon and uh, Woody Allen when when he's when he's good, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> <laughs> when he's funny. Um, but um, so I gave I gave a try at a movie called Dinks, uh, Double Income No Kids, and it was based on myself and my wife. Uh, uh, we don't have any children, mm. and uh, I remember we first moved into our neighborhood. It was a family 
you know, neighborhood and there were kids everywhere. And we just, we were, we just didn't fit in. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we would go to parties and stuff and, you know, we, we had nothing to talk about. Everybody else is talking about their kids and, you know, so-and-so, you know, just walked for the first time and so-and-so is, you know, in college or so-and-so, you know, and we just sat there and had, had no idea what to talk about. So I, th- I thought there was humor in that some, mm-hmm. somewhere. And so I wrote a, a comedy about a couple that don't have kids and uh, move into this neighborhood, et cetera. And um, what happened was around that time, um, I have to say, I think God reached out to me or the Holy Spirit um, touched on me in some way because I, I all of a sudden – um, was writing, I wrote, I was writing a scene and I, all of a sudden I brought God into it. And mm. it was very awkward because when people saw the movie, they see this scene and they go, you know, what's that scene doing in there? Why is that scene in there? But I wanted, I wanted to talk about people, not, uh, you know, couples who don't have children and mm. how it would look in the eyes of God. So I wrote, a, I wrote this one scene. And then, um, uh, then after that, I, I decided to do another comedy and it was called You Don't Say. And uh, it's about pol- political correctness. And boy, this film, <laughs> wow. I mean, it, uh, I, I, I made it back in 2000, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12. But uh, it, it goes on. I mean, the, the, well, the movie, the movie is about a, a woman who is uh, in a corporation. And she's climbing the corporate ladder. And she does it because she doesn't say what she really thinks. And she knows that if she does, she's going to get reprimanded for it and she's not going to have success. Gee, does that Mm. sound a little familiar? Right, right. What's going on now? And uh, her boyfriend, who she's going out with, takes her to this kind of novelty store. And there's a bunch of necklaces hanging on the wall. And one of them is a necklace that if you wear it, it makes you speak your mind. Ooh. All right. So he buys it for her as a joke, because he's always trying to tell her, come on, be more honest and tell people how you really feel, blah, blah, blah. And he buys it as a joke, not thinking that it does anything. Well, of course, in the magic of cinema, mm-hmm. she gets the necklace, puts it on, and all of a sudden she's telling everybody exactly what she thinks about everything. And uh, it's it's a very funny movie. Uh, I like it quite a bit. Uh, it was the first movie I did with Larry Thomas, Mm. Uh, who is the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. He has a small role, but a a very funny role in that movie. Um, And I think after that movie, that that, uh, uh, led to Mind Over Mindy, which is my tribute to Woody Allen, um, about a middle-aged man who had a girlfriend uh, in college that uh, he was madly in love with. She was very beautiful. He wasn't that good-looking, but she was beautiful. She dumps him and he is traumatized for like the rest of his life. And every relationship he has with women just completely fall apart uh, because mm-hmm. he keeps seeing her in his dreams. And then, of course, through the magic, again, of, of movies, one night he's uh, in bed with her, talking to her, and he wakes up the next morning and she's still there. Mm. So she kind of walks out of his dreams and into his car. No, wait a minute. That's a Billy Ocean song. Wait a minute. No, sorry. <laughs> Um, but you get the idea. She comes out of his mind and the, the, it, it makes for a lot of humor and comedy because the, you know, uh, the main character is getting married. And now he has to explain to his fiance what an 18 year old girl 
who admires everything he does, is doing living in his house. Mm. Okay. She's from 1989. He's from 2015. And uh, it's a very funny movie. And I'm very happy we just got it out on DVD recently. It was the only film I hadn't done. So now I come to another part, and I hope I'm not boring you here. No, no, absolutely. Um, I love the story. But this is where this is where God really reached out. With Mind Over Mindy, I had a lot of really bad experiences. Um, at one point, we thought we had $5 million to make Mind Over Mindy, and it was going to be a Warner Brothers film. And this is what happens when you listen to all the wrong people and don't do your research. So I have nobody to blame but myself for falling for a lot of lies and a lot of deception. And um, But I did learn a lot about Hollywood. I learned a lot about lies and deception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not that all the Hollywood's like that. I'm not saying they all are. But um, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a different world. It's a, it's a world that you, 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 know, you can't really trust right. a, a lot of people. Um, everybody's trying to get on top of everybody else. You know, it's, it's, it's just a terrible, it, it, it's terrible when you're a filmmaker and you have this passion in you and you want to do something in, uh, you know, big, and you'd like to be able to even make some money and make a living by it or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whatever. So after Mindy was over, I had, my wife and I were very, very upset because Mindy didn't go the way we wanted. We didn't get the $5 million. Things did not work out very well. We did finish the movie. It is a good movie, but it was a lot of pain and suffering to get to it. And I remember my wife saying to me, I don't understand why God would put this passion back in you and, and, and lead you down this road or down this path. Okay. And Mm -hmm. not, not reward you. Why aren't, why isn't God coming through? Now, if this sounds familiar, this is the plot to Betsy, Heavens to Betsy. And it gave me, it gave me this idea immediately because I remember saying to my wife, you know, maybe God doesn't want us in Hollywood. Maybe that's not the plan. Maybe there's, he has a different plan for us, Uh, you know, and maybe I'm doing this for a whole different reason. So I got this. The Holy Spirit entered. I got this tremendous idea about a, a woman who's a book author who uh, gets promised this big deal. It falls flat. She blames God for it, but God gives it to her. So magically, again, through the magic of cinema, all of a sudden, Betsy's inside the church. As you know, you've seen the movie. Right. And she's upset with God. She's looking up at, at the you know at the cross and. She walks out, and all of a sudden, she's wearing a mink coat. She's dressed in, 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 in you know, high fashion. And next thing you know, she finds out that she is a, a successful book author, and God grants her that and gives that to her. Um, so it was a wonderful uh, thing for me. Uh, it was a very uplifting spiritual thing for me because it gave me the direction I needed to realize what I'm doing. God wants me to make films or to write but he wants me to do it for him. He right. wants me to get messages out for him, not for my own personal thing. Cause I had my own personal thing with the one movie that bombed, <laughs> you right. know, and there's other movies that didn't do so well, but when I focus on him, everything seems to go really well. 
And Betsy One uh, did very well. It's still available. You can still see it on Amazon Prime. It's all over the place, actually. YouTube's got it. Pure Flix has got, got it. Uh, as a matter of fact, Pure Flix was so interested in it, they talked me into doing a sequel. <laughs> oh, okay. Which, which is why there's a Heavens to Betsy 2. Yeah. That didn't go as well as I had hoped, but I still did it. And mm-hmm. it was rewarding. I still got a lot out of it. I think people I worked with got a lot out of it. Um, and each time I always tried to, you know, uh, put a message in there. I would pray and I would ask God, what, what, what do you want me to say here? What can I say with my talents and my abilities what, and my writing? What can I do to, to, to get a message out for, for you? Yeah. And, of course, God works in funny ways because he doesn't always answer, <laughs> you know. Right. A, lot of it, a, lot of it is, a lot of it is guessing, I think. You know, you, you, God puts people in your life, and then you wonder why that person is there. Mm-hmm. And then time goes by, and you, you, you realize, well, I couldn't have gotten here if I hadn't got it from this person. You know right. what I mean? So I know how God works. I know exactly how he works. So I'm, I'm alert now. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that that's the biggest problem with people who say things like, um, oh, it, it, you know, it was luck or it was just by chance or it was, you know, coincidence. You know, I don't believe in any of those words. I know what it is. I know divine intervention when I see it. And it took me a while to be able to see it clearly. Right. But Betsy one, Betsy two really got me into that position. And because of that, I, I, uh, I, I was able to venture into one more film, which is Honest to God, and you saw the trailer to it. Um, the story behind that, briefly, although I don't know how brief I've been. <laughs> um, no, tell, uh, tell us about uh, Honest to God. Uh, how did it uh, come about? Because you're, it seems like almost you're getting to this point where you're kind of building momentum uh, now that you're really focusing on using your gifts for God's glory, and now Honest to God is kind of... Uh, still on that upswing as you're building that momentum. Um, it is, it is, but it was not an easy film to make. It was, it was the hardest, most difficult film I ever made. And it, and God put me to the test. I, my faith was pushed to the ultimate test. Was was it only because, I'm sorry. Uh, Uh, Was it? Go ahead. You go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, what was it, uh, difficult only because of the pandemic or was it outside of that parameter as well. Well, okay. It, how? It, it, well, it started with, you know, uh, it started. With, I, I had three, three or four producers, executive producers, mm-hmm. and we had I had investors, so we had money because of the Betsy films and the, the the notoriety we got from there to move into another movie. So we started moving in that direction, and uh, a day or two after our very, very first production meeting, uh, a dear friend of mine, one of the executive producers, died of a massive heart attack. Oh, no. And that did not sit well with everybody. You right. Know, we, right. uh, but we wanted to go on. You know, we wanted to keep moving, and uh, we did. Uh, then a month later, this another executive producer had a heart attack and was put in the hospital. Mm. He died. He, he survived. But again, he got put in the hospital. Oh, wow. Then on April 11th, I'll, a day I'll never forget, um, 
I had a, an emergency appendectomy and found out that I had sepsis and I almost died. Oh, wow. So the pandemic paled in comparison to, oh, yeah. to those three big, huge obstacles starting things off right away. Yeah. Uh, but yes, the pandemic did make matters worse. When we decided we were going to keep going, uh, it did make it worse. And uh, we, we, we basically did a lot of Zoom rehearsals. Uh, we, you know, we, we, we didn't meet each other. I mean, we, we hardly saw each other in person because of the limitations of, you know, uh, groups of people. Right. Um, and, and in July of 2020, I, I canceled the movie. Hmm. I just said it was over because everything had gone so wrong. And um, I was very upset. You know, again, that thing, God, why would you, <laughs> why'd you bring me down this path, you know, only to fail. But I didn't realize at the time that it wasn't, it wasn't about failure. It was about strength. It was about, okay, I wanted to do this movie for God. And I did. And I made it very clear in the first meeting that this was going to be for him and for his glory. And that's why we're doing this movie. Yeah. I didn't care about myself. I didn't. I said, I'll, I'll do, I'll put my talents in. I'll write it. I'll direct it. I'll produce it. But you guys, it's up to you to do the acting and do everything else. And we have to do this all for the right reason. Right. Um, and, and in order for it to work. So, like I said, in July, around the time I gave up, um, our lead actress, Polly uh, Cassidy Doyle, who uh, graciously let us use her home, which you saw in the trailer, at, for the the Adams Family home, uh, said, hey, come on over to my house and let's, yeah, let's film some outdoor stuff. So I did. Mm-hmm. And another week went by and she said, oh, why don't you come back and let's film a little more. And I went back, filmed a little more. Uh, with an actress, Diane Clonitis. And and it just kept going. So I said to God, I said, look, I'm, you know, you're in control now. I'm, I'm just going to follow your lead. Mm-hmm. If this movie is going to happen, you're going to make it happen. I'm just, I'm just following. I'm just doing what you want. And here we sit with a finished film. It's, uh, it's kind of, he had to kind of leave the breadcrumbs. <laughs> and and uh, he had kind of lead you there to the water before you drank, but yeah. well, but that's also the test of faith of like, okay, God, I'm uh, I'm going to take this step. You got to you got to put the uh, the ground underneath my foot if I'm going to land this step. Um, and, so and you know what, uh, Dave? It's funny you said that because at the very first meeting we had before we said any word, this is when all when Ron, my the producer who passed away, was still alive. We were all all together. I brought in my laptop and I showed a scene from Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Oh, the, and the part where he gets to the walkway and he looks down and it's a complete drop to nowhere. Mm -hmm. And, and he has to have a leap of faith in order to cross. And, and so I, I remember showing this to the, to the cast and the crew. And I said, this is what we have in front of us. Mm -hmm. We have this impossible looking thing. Because the money was not big. I mean, we did have limitations. But through our faith, we're going to put our faith in God and we're going to get across. And I remember I remember that's how we started the meeting. Wow. 
Very cool. That's uh, yeah. really awesome here. Uh, so uh, quick, what, uh, like if you're, if we were in an elevator, what is a, the, the synopsis of the film for people that want to come out on uh, November 11th? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, it's a story of uh, Daniel Adams. He's a, a successful insurance salesman uh, who has a nice family as a wife and uh, a son and daughter who are millennials. They still mm-hmm. live at home. Um, uh, he is a Christian, uh, but not as much as his wife. His wife is really like the backbone, diehard, dedicated Christian. Yeah. Daniel is kind of a character where he's almost like a Christian at uh, when it's convenient. Sure. Right? Uh, and I know a lot of people like that. So it was very easy for me to come up with that character. Okay. A lot of people say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But do they do it? Do they believe it? Do they understand what it is? So Daniel is a personification of that type of person. He goes to um, he goes to a doctor, and he finds out. The doctor tells him after examining him in a very awkward and very funny way. By the way, this is a comedy. Yeah. Um, that he only has three weeks to live. Uh, the doctor is played by Larry Thomas, the soup Nazi from Seinfeld, and he does a great variation on his soup Nazi character for this for this character. And um, basically Daniel, uh, as it says in the trailer, uh, starts freaking out and kind of loses his mind. And all of a sudden starts evaluating everything and trying to figure out how much time he has left. What can he do? Um, He starts doubting his, his beliefs. He starts doubting uh, uh, his faith. Um, he, He starts exploring other religions to see if there's, something they know that he doesn't know. And mm. maybe there's something uh, that's why you see the scene with the Mormons. Yeah. Where some Mormons come to the door and he invites them in and he sits there and he tries to analyze, you know, so what's the difference between a Christian and a Mormon, you know, and do you guys have a special backstage pass or something that gets you into heaven? It's a very, <laughs> it's, it's a comedy. Remember, right. you know, it's, it's humorous. Um, uh, but he, he then finds out, um, as you can see in the trailer, that the doctor is a con man and he's not real. So he makes all these promises to God uh, before he finds that out. I, don't, I got ahead of myself, but before he finds that out, in an act, total act of de- desperation, he prays to God and says, I'm, I, I, uh, you know, I'm going to be a, a man of God. I'm going to be, a, uh, you know, I'm going to be a better Christian. I'm going to be a better person, blah, blah, blah. And then he starts making these changes that you can see in the movie mm-hmm. and until he finds out that he's not going to die. And then all of a sudden, things don't work out. He starts slipping back into the way he was, and in, in some cases, worse uh, than he was. So that's kind of the storyline. But it is funny. It is a comedy, but it is about death and you know, talk about creepy. I mean, death followed me through this whole movie, (laughs) including my own, you know, almost my own death. But, um, you know, and the catchphrase for the movie is, uh, you know, death isn't supposed to be this funny. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's what it's about. Nice. And for me, just hearing the, the, the synopsis, it's almost like you're answering the question of what if God had already had gone ahead and taken the thorn from Paul's flesh. Would he have remained as humble and as pursuant to God had he not had that constant reminder? So it's kind of a a way to explore that idea of if you had everything that you needed, would you still pursue God? Right. 
Right. Or it, or do you only seek him when you're about to lose it all? So I think that that's a cool question that we need to all ask ourselves. Yeah, and I think I think it did a good job of that. We had two screenings mm-hmm. recently, and uh, now I now I actually have audience response. It's one thing when I make the movie, I watch it, I analyze it, and mm-hmm. I I still always sit back and say, I hope this works. I hope this is funny. I hope the message goes through. But again. Just like heavens to Betsy, uh, you know, I, I I ask God, you know, whatever it is in this story, you know, um, that you want to communicate with it, you know, let's 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 make the story and and somebody will find something in it. Mm-hmm. And I I I'm amazed sometimes when I finish a film, when people watch it and they'll come up to me and they'll say, oh, I loved the part where you wrote this and this and this because I felt like this, and I thought. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, Um, like, for example, uh, one of the characters name is Benji Mm -hmm. and Benji is uh, uh, one of the main characters. And he's, he's uh, mentally disturbed a bit. Uh, He's a bit off, but he's Danny's best friend. And uh, there's, uh, there was a woman in the audience. And when we had the Q and a, and, um, she, had, she at, at, after the movie was over, she 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 said she really loved uh, Benji and the way I wrote him. She says because it shows people that even people who are not as mentally capable of things as other people or who have disabilities are entitled to, to be respected mm. and entitled to have their day and 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 uh, uh, you know be well. I, I guess I said be respected mm-hmm. and. Um, I don't know where she got that because I don't remember writing the character for that reason, but right. you know, that's what she got. And that's, that's the fun part about, about it is, is people will always walk away with something that I, I didn't plan. So, you know, sometimes I even believe that's God's doing. Yeah. Maybe that's the message. Maybe God wanted that woman to see that moment in time. And there it is, you know, maybe that's what it was. Absolutely. And uh, sometimes I, I've talked to pastors and they've talked about times where they've been given, a, they've given their message. And then six months later, somebody comes up and says, when you said this, you know, it really spoke to me. And they were think I never said that. And that's just the power <laughs> of the Holy spirit. Yes. You're working through whatever we're willing to give him and he can use it however he wants. And it may never make sense to us, but he just needs us to be the willing vessels that he can use in those situations. And- yes. Uh, and I, it's funny. I, um, if I can add another little story here. Sure. Um, when I first realized God's part in all of this, uh, it had to do with the fact that a long time ago when I was doing movies in college, after I got out of college, um, I did this one film called miles from nowhere. And, um, when I got back into making movies, now that was in 81, I'm sorry, 81. Uh, when I got back into making movies in, I think it was 1998, I remastered or recut that film using, uh, you know, today's technology or editing, you know, technology, computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I had a, a little showing of it in a bowling alley. Okay, mm-hmm. so I invited all the people that were in that in that film right if i still had their names and address i mean 20 years had passed sure so i i did get a hold of some people i did get the two characters that played the leads and they came there we had some refreshments we sat down and watched the movie 
And I, and I remember the, 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 the mother, uh, the, the woman, her name was Jody. Um, I remember she was there with a little girl and I, I, you know, she introduced, Oh, this is my daughter. I said, Oh, I said, hello. And uh, you know, and I said, and who's, you know, is your husband here or whatever? And then she told me that it was the guy who had taken pictures in the movie. So they had met on the set. Okay. Mm. Now, when I was driving home that night, I remember saying to my wife, I said, you know, it just dawned on me that, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to think why would, why does God have, why do I have this passion and why do I keep doing this? What, what, what is the end result? What, what can come of it? Even though the movie went nowhere, it's terrible. It looks awful. This and that, this little girl was born because mm. her mother met her father doing my stupid little movie. So at that moment in time, I think that's when I thought, this has got to be it. There's got to be a connection. There has to be something because my passion, yeah, I, I enjoyed making the movie. I had a great time. It was an ego thing, of course. But this little thing happened that it, because of it, and I had no control over that. So maybe those two people were meant to meet, and they would never have met had God not put the passion in me to make that film. And uh, for someone like with me, with a podcast, with my uh, comedy troupe, sometimes it it gets very discouraging to think that maybe this is only for one uh, one person, or like in your case, the the birth of one girl that can go on and and change other lives. Sometimes it feels discouraging, but then you realize, wow, it means that much. For to God for us to have these moments so that we can be part of something special that maybe we didn't even see coming. And it doesn't have to be money, Dave. Right. You know, I mean, when I, when I got back into making the movies, I, I kept thinking Hollywood. I kept thinking a yacht, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, move to California, have a swimming pool. I mean, I had all the, all of the, you know, the dreams of mm-hmm. success, but it, it you know, so, that's not how God works. No. I mean, I mean, if 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 there's success involved, it's involved because maybe it's supposed to be. But um, you can't you can't say, look, I'm going to like like honest to God, if the movie does really well. And let's say that Bridgestone decides they want to do something with the theatrical. And let's say all of a sudden I get a check for half a million dollars. I mean, wow, (laughs) that would be wonderful, but I'm not expecting it. That's not why I did the movie. I did the movie right. for God. Whatever he wants the, the results to be is is what it will be. Plus, you're based in Illinois, so a half-million-dollar check ends up being like 20000 after taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I see the comedian coming out. Okay. <laughs> but very true. Yeah. Yes, yes. So um, one of the things that I want to do uh, is transition into – uh, it was actually my favorite segment of the show was finding out your story, um, you know, diving in uh, to your testimony. That's the the biggest part of this show. And uh, so I just want to ask you, um, did you grow up in a Christian home or how did you come to find Jesus in your life and, and make that personal relationship? Well, Dave, that could be a movie within itself. <laughs> um, I might want to write that movie one of these days. Go for um, it. I, I, I grew up in a Protestant uh, family. 
my my father was Catholic, but he passed away when I was very young. Uh, mm. My mother then joined a Protestant church, and uh, you know we went to church whether we wanted to or not as kids. Right. So a lot of my, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I had Bible classes. I went to uh, Bible camps, you know, a Christian camps. Uh, so a lot of my upbringing was when I was fairly young, was when I was first introduced to God and to Jesus uh, and all that. But, you know, as time goes by, you become an adult or a, a rebellious teenager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, that takes over. And uh, it took me a while you know, I, I strayed quite a bit from God and, uh, and he knows it and I know it, but I kept coming back. I I kept, he kept pulling me back and I wanted to go back. I always wanted to go back. I didn't like where everything was, um, in my life. And, um, you know, even to this day, um, I, I feel good with God Oh my God, that's a, a line from the movie. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a line in there where Daniel says he, uh, he's good with God, but I, I I do I feel good with him, and and I'm very happy where I'm at with him. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not a spring chicken no more, so I'm uh, I'm older, and I feel I feel closer to him, uh, and um, I just want to uh, you know I want to find. Uh, the, the, the mental c- compatibility with 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 him to you know to have a daily life of worshiping him and 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 um, having him in, in my life every minute and with the world the way it is it's so hard you know mm-hmm. it's a crazy 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 world and you know it's just heart- heartbreaking where we are as human beings right now yeah. and how far Christians are being pushed away and you know, it's it's a sign of the times. I think um, yeah. maybe the signs of other times, revelations, maybe. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, I think that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what what was uh, what is kind of the biggest challenge since you've become a Christian? Because uh, was there ever a time where you felt like you know maybe there was a bullseye on your back or? Has it been relatively smooth sailing since uh, since making that decision? You know what the thing about it was, uh, Dave. I think I, uh, you know, I I've been a Christian a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I, uh, I I I came to Jesus when I was uh, in school, or I'm sorry, in uh, in when I was a teenager, and and I, and I accepted Christ. Uh, I went through the entire process. Uh, in a church, uh, you know, going, I, I am 90% sure I was baptized, although this was quite a while ago. Like I said, I'm not young anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've always been one. I've just been, you know, here and there and drifting and coming back. And in a way, I'm a little bit like Daniel in Honest to God. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a Christian of, of convenience. I'm, I, I don't become a Christian when I want to be. You know, I am one. It's just that, you know, it's hard for me to practice it or to apply it. And and I think a lot of people are like that. A lot of Christians feel that way. I mean, I think you, you know, it's it's a it's a full-time job. It, and and it's hard for us in the, in this world to find that full time to be able to do it full time. Um, we can do it in our hearts and we can do it, to, it within ourselves, 
but it's hard sometimes to do it with other people. At least mm-hmm. that's the way I feel. Absolutely. Um, so that uh, uh, gets us towards our, uh, as we get ready to wrap up, um, tell us, uh, for those that might have joined late or that uh, haven't joined us for the entire show, uh, tell us about the movie, where they're going to be able to see it next and uh, how to find it. And then we'll get to our final two segments. So uh, tell us about Honest to God uh, for those that have uh, joined us late. Okay, Honest to God is going to be, uh, it's already had two premieres in October, and we have another premiere, uh, theatrical premiere, where it's going to be shown in the theater at the Landmark Theater at the Renaissance Center in um, uh, Highland Park, uh, Illinois, which is up near Ravinia. So if you know where Ravinia is, it's fairly close to where Ravinia is, north of the city. Um, It's going to be on a Thursday night, uh, November 11th, and the showtime is 7 o'clock. And I will be there with the cast and crew, and we have, we'll have we have an intro to the movie and then a Q&A afterwards. Um, so that's where it's going to be as far as theatrical. It will be coming out in uh, – I, I just talked with the distributor, and I believe it's coming out after the first of the year. So I think January or February, somewhere around there. Uh, Bridgestone Multimedia Group is putting it out and it'll be available on Amazon Prime, Pure Flix, and YouTube and whatever other Christian uh, platform that they can they can get it on. Perfect. Uh, you can also find more at honesttogodmovie.com uh, and for those watching um, and you see it up on the screen, uh, it doesn't matter if you capitalize it, I just prefer it so uh, that's why it's there. Uh, but uh, whether you capitalize or not, you'll get to the website, uh, honesttogodmovie.com. Uh, you can also connect uh, to all the productions uh, from Soul Productions at soul-productions.net. Uh, that's soul uh, soul-productions.net. Uh, you can also find that in the show notes. And uh, as uh, you were sharing, had a few people chiming in. Uh, Polly uh, uh, Cassidy Kane uh, saying that this is a wonderful interview. Um <laughs> And uh, uh, we also have uh, Diane uh, Richardson saying this is amazing and that uh, other people uh, see your heart. Um, And then uh, one more chimed in, uh, Enrique uh, uh, Luis Vigilla. I I probably butchered the last name. I'm sorry, Enrique. Uh, He says, great interview, guys. And uh, he also shared the uh, link to Honest to God movie slash (laughs) premiere. That and that's no surprise because Enrique is one of the uh, executive producers. All right. So <laughs> thanks everybody for uh, chiming in. And uh, oh, and then our lead actor, uh, Burke Sage, says, Nice hat, Robert. And he would know. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's uh, so he's the lead in uh, Honest to God. Yep. And um, also, and- you said you had the, the cameo from the Soup Nazi as well. Uh, and, uh, so how did you get connected to, uh, to Larry Thomas and how did you get him in, uh, you've got, had him in a couple of your films. Uh, yeah, I also had Jim O'Hare in, mm. uh, Heavens to Betsy and Jim O'Hare is, uh, you know, he was, he played Jerry on Parks and Recreation, okay, okay. The, the, the TV show. Um, how I, Larry was fairly simple. Larry has been doing a lot of like, um, movie uh, conventions or mm-hmm. movie, sh- movie, yeah, movie conventions where, uh, you know, you go and get autographs and people sell movie memorabilia and posters and all that kind of stuff. And there were quite a few of them in Chicago for a long time. So I would, I, I would always see him there. 
Although it's funny because I never watched that episode. I never saw it up to the day that I actually hired him to be in the movie. And I thought, boy, I better watch this Seinfeld episode because I have no idea who the soup Nazi is, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but I, basically it was through another, another filmmaker, uh, John Wesley Norton, who had Larry in his films. And I was looking for an actor with a name who could play a, um, a, a Mexican executive, mm. but he had to have, he had to have a certain look. He had to look like he was Mexican. And so John suggested Larry Thomas. I looked at him and I thought, well, I guess he looks Mexican. So I remember having a phone conversation with him and I said, you know, by any chance, can you speak Spanish? And he spoke Spanish to me mm. on the phone. And I said, okay, that sounds good. Then I, I, I think you could do the part. I think that sounds great. So that's how I met him. And we've become very good friends. He was in Mind Over Mindy as well. He had a pretty big part in there. And, of course, now he plays the doctor in Honest to God. Great oh, guy. Nice. All right. Well, uh, again, uh, for those that are uh, listening, uh, be sure to check out uh, honesttogodmovie.com. The next showing is going to be in Highland Park at the Landmark Theater. Uh, find uh, information and tickets at honesttogodmovie.com. Uh, you're going to want to check it out. We saw the trailer uh, to open the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be funny. And as we've discussed, it might actually make a point or two that might uh, might register as you go, uh, go about your day. And uh, Francine uh, Locke is uh, chiming in. Hola, Roberto. <laughs> Francine. <laughs> Wonderful. Awesome. So the, uh, the next segment that we do is called the interrogation. There are seven random questions that wouldn't have otherwise fit in the conversation. So we will start that now. So first question, uh, what are your hobbies? What do you do other than filmmaking and uh, trying on cool hats? I collect Elvis Presley records. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I collect Elvis. Okay. And I don't know what else to say, but he's he's my man. He's my hobby, and that's what I do. All right. The follow-up question to that will be number two. What is the coolest piece of Elvis memorabilia you own or have seen in person? Oh, wow. Well, I'm going to really impress you, so get ready for this. Um, in 1969, when Elvis Presley uh, was deciding what he wanted to do with his career, because he made all those awful movies. Well, they mm -hmm. weren't all awful, but he made some pretty bad ones. He wanted to go back into live performances. So the colonel uh, set up an arrangement for him to open the International Hotel in Las Vegas in 1969. He was supposed to open it on July 29th, okay, but didn't open it on July 29th because the colonel said that he'd rather have some other performer go in in case something goes wrong because it's a brand new theater mm. and, you know, anything could go wrong, lights, electricity, all this other stuff. So what he did was he gave that night to Barbara Streisand <laughs> instead. <laughs> um, but the piece of memorabilia I got uh, it was I actually owned, for a while I sold it, I owned the contract that Elvis Presley uh, is seen signing in a uh, outside the construction of the hotel. It's a very famous picture of him standing with Alan Shufi and, and another manager or somebody uh, when they were building the International Hotel, and Elvis is standing there with a pen, and you see him signing a contract. Well, I had that contract. Wow. And I sold Very it. Cool. 
Very cool. That's interesting. It's very interesting piece of memorabilia. You never think about people getting. You think that it's locked away in some lawyer's office, but uh, it was locked. Really- it was locked away in a bar. It was in a. It was. It was in a bar. I went to a bar with my brother to watch the Chicago Bulls when they were winning championships, and and the bartender or the guy who owned it, the place, I knew him, and he came mm-hmm. up to me. He says, "Hey, you want to see something really cool?" Sure. So I went. I went in his office, and he opens up this drawer, and he pulls out this contract with that Elvis signed for the International Hotel. So wow, you never know where you're going to find that stuff. Wow, awesome. All right, question number three: Other than Jesus, which is too obvious, from who in the Bible have you learned the most? Wow, that's tough. That's tough. And it could be learn positive or learn what you what not to do. So either one. I'd have to say, I, my, well, first, first I would say Matthew. Mm-hmm. I would think. Uh, and then John. Okay. You know, that's what I would think. Um, I don't know who else to say. <laughs> okay. No problem. Good answers. Uh, question number four. Um, and this could be a positive or a negative, uh, either something you want to experience again or something you'd like to, um, to do over. Uh, what is, uh, what would you most like to do over? either experience again because it was so good or do over because you want to fix something. You know, I'm pretty happy with the way everything went. Okay. You know, I'm very happy with, I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough to say that if I died tomorrow, I'd be pretty satisfied with everything. And, and that's a blessing to be able to say that that's, um, that's not many people are willing to say that. So that's a really awesome blessing. Um, so, uh, I have to ask, I didn't ask during the rest of the interview, tell us the story of the hat and how did that become your trademark? <laughs> the hat, <laughs> my wife's got to be laughing right now. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> it all started back when a movie called Urban Cowboy came out, mm. uh, back in, what was it? 83? or 84, I, I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked in a nightclub as a disc jockey, and um, uh, I didn't wear a hat at all. I n- never wore a hat. And uh, my boss, uh, Rich, came up to me one night and said, listen, next week we're bringing in a bull. And I, I'm like, a bull? What do you mean? And, you know, like uh, the bull, like the one in Urban Cowboy. And oh, people are going to be able to ride bull. the bull. Yeah. So I want you start playing country music. I'm like, what? I'm going to go from Donna Summer and the Bee Gees to Johnny Cash? What? And he says, and not only that, but I want you to get a cowboy hat. And I said, no. <laughs> but he, you know, he's my boss. So mm-hmm. I, I had to do it. So I went out to a Kmart and I bought a cheap, oh my God, it was so awful. It was a cheap Levi's cowboy hat for like 10 bucks. And I wore that thing for, I don't know, a couple of years. And then somebody had finally said to me, you know, that hat is awful. You do realize they do make really nice hats. You know, <laughs> there's a place, you know, a company called Stetson. Have you ever heard of them? No. And I think that, I think that's what, when I went out to a, an actual, you know, Western store and started looking at hats, but, um, 
the 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 that's when I first started. But the real reason I wear it is because in Elvis in in Memphis during Elvis Week, where I did the shows. Okay, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people. Well, first of all, you have to know there's a convention every year in Memphis, and this is where dealers come and sell Elvis Presley memorabilia from around the world. So when I was doing that back in the '80s, okay, and I wasn't wearing a hat, it was very very hard for for the foreigners to find us because we were Americans. Mm. So one time I went to Nashville, I found a white hat just like this and I bought it, wore it. And, and all of a sudden our sales went up Mm. because the Japanese all remembered where I was. They would go, ah, ah, over there. You know, well, they wouldn't say over there. (laughs) I can't say it in Japanese, but they always pointed to me and the foreigners who couldn't speak English, you know, they knew me because I had that hat on. So I said, you know what? I'm going to wear this hat from now on. And I don't know. Then it just kind of stuck. I got used to it. So there it is, the hat story. Very nice. And uh, <laughs> Diane uh, Richardson says, I never heard this. Uh, ha, ha, ha. So, oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. So now <laughs> she knows. Now everybody's going to know. Everybody's <laughs> going to know. All right. Question number six. Uh, what habits or quirks do you have that your wife teases you about other than the hat? God, there's so many. <laughs> uh, how do I pick one? <laughs> um, what habits or quirks does she tease me about? Oh boy. Um, I really don't know. I, there's just so many. I really don't know. I, my first thing I would say would be snoring, but I know she doesn't like that, but I hear about it every day. <laughs> um, I don't know. I really don't. I really, uh, okay. I really can't, there, there, there's quite a few. I've been married for a long time. Okay. So, yeah. so, you know, you acquire a list, <laughs> you know, so I'm not really sure what, I, it's hard to pick just one. Gotcha. No problem. All right. Final question of the interrogation. Uh, if money and time were no object, who would you most like to work with on a future movie? Uh, does it have to be an actor? No. Uh, whoever you'd like to work with. M. Night Shyamalan. Mm. I would nice. love to work with him. Probably he's the writer-director, and I'm a writer-director too, so I don't know how I'd be able to work with him. <laughs> but M. M. Night Shyamalan would be somebody I think uh, behind the camera that I'd want to work with. Uh, and in front of the camera, Francine Locke. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Of course, Francine Locke in a full movie all the way through. She's the star, of course. And, and the fact that money is no object in this hypothetical, she's really going to enjoy that. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure she will. Yeah. <laughs> she says, great answer. I know. I knew she'd say that. All right. So that uh, finalizes the interrogation. So the final okay. question I always ask uh, is uh, for anyone that's watching or listening, they want to step up, use their gifts, their talents, their passions for God's glory. What would your wise counsel be? Uh. I would say first first I, I think a person has to be totally confident and comfortable with what God's gift is. 
to them. Mm. What what is it that he gave you? And no matter how awkward it is, no matter how crazy it sounds, like making ice cream or you know mm. uh, cooking or cleaning. I, I mean, there's just so many things that that God blesses uh, people with and gives them passions for and and makes them good at, whether they they know it or not. Um, I, I I would say once you can identify that gift then I think I think the next job is to find a place to share it. Good word. Good word. So, uh, uh, Robert, Alan Ease, uh, I, I keep that in my mind, Alan Needs. <laughs> there so, you go. Uh, you've, you've done great, Dave. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I just want to say thank you again for being on and uh, sharing your story as well as uh, telling us all about uh, Honest to God, which the next screening is happening November 11th, Thursday night, Highland Park, at the Landmark Theater, uh, you can find out more information at honesttogodmovie.com or uh, follow the, uh, the movie page on Facebook at HTG The Movie. So that's at HTG The Movie uh, for Honest to God, uh, which uh, Bridge uh, Richmond Media is bringing out uh, early release next year. But there's a great chance to see it in theater, see something that you can bring the whole family to and enjoy together. And uh, we're really looking forward to seeing this movie and future movies uh, from uh, Soul Productions. Um, for our uh, listeners and our viewers, uh, we have a couple of exciting things coming up. Uh, I want to remind you about uh, the uh, Improv Comedy Night uh, uh, brought to you by Gifts of Glory. RFK Comedy Night benefiting a Royal Family Kids Camp uh, at the Roxy Theater November 6th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets at rfkcomedynight.eventbrite.com rfkcomedynight.eventbrite.com. And then uh, next week, our guest on uh, the Gifts of Glory podcast uh, will be uh, Jennifer O'Brien of the uh, Jennifer O'Brien Show. Uh, she's a comedian and improviser. And uh, we've had her sister on the, the show back in January of 2021. Uh, so now we get the other sister, Jennifer O'Brien, next week right here on Gifts of Glory. Uh, so we have one more, a uh, couple more comments coming in from the, uh, the uh, from our viewers. Uh, Polly Cassidy Kane saying, "I really enjoyed every minute of this interview. Thank you both." So Polly, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at the theater to see Honest to God if uh, you're heading out there on November the 11th. And then uh, Diane Richardson, uh, thanks for this; it was fantastic. So thank you, Diane. Even if you do have a Green Bay Packers logo in your profile picture, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone have a, a blessed uh, rest of your day thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next monday live right here on facebook youtube and twitch or uh, you can catch replays on the creative motion network uh, uh robert uh Alanis, thank you so much uh and i uh, wish you all the best uh with uh, this release and the future movies that god gives you thank you dave i appreciate it thank you for having me on i really really appreciate it absolutely everyone have a great night <laughs>